not about man, it's not about our agendas, Lord, it's about you. You would pray you have your way. And Lord, we just recognize our dependency on you, our neediness for you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for welcoming me. Yes, Tommy! <laughs> Tommy lives in the house in Bloomington with like seven of these other guys here. So yeah. You hear shouting? It's <laughs> probably roommates. The greatest fans. The greatest fans. We just love Tommy. It's a blessing for me to be able to share my testimony. Uh, it's really, I think, the first time I've publicly done it, so praise God for that. Um, a little bit about me, as Clint said, I graduated from Bethel uh, May 2009. Um, Bloomington now with at Andy's house with a whole bunch of other guys who are here. And I work in Edina at a law firm, and I come here. I've been coming to Communitas for about um, almost a year and a half now. The rest of my story uh, in terms of the grace. So I think... Um, I'm just going to read something from first, or from first Ephesians. There's only one Ephesians. From Ephesians. Maybe there's a second one that we'll find out about in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And that's really where my testimony started, before I was born. Um, before the foundations of the world, he chose me, just as he's chosen every one of you. And I think that speaks to what hopefully comes out in the rest of my testimony is that it's not about anything I've ever done. It's not about any choice I've made. Though he uses our choices, it's primarily about God choosing me and his grace being acted out in my life. And his goodness. I couldn't have come to him if he didn't draw me. I couldn't have chosen him if he didn't choose me, and I certainly can't love him now if I don't receive his love. So that's where it started. He chose me even before... Uh, before I existed, and it kind of puts that it kind of puts it all uh, in simple terms. It's nothing I did. It's just him. Even before I was around, I couldn't even I didn't even make a choice. Um, so then, after God created the world, He created people, and eventually He created me. And I grew up Catholic. Um, I, I describe it as a quasi practicing Catholicism. Personally. My relationship to God was more of a religious activity, and I did it primarily out of duty. My family is Catholic, and I just want to put it out there now. I'm not knocking on Catholics. I love the Catholic Church. In my personal situation, I didn't really encounter the grace of God there, and I believe people can. Uh, and interestingly enough, last weekend I was in a Catholic Church and really felt the Holy Spirit just kind of blast me. So, um, Anyhow, I was raised Catholic, and I genuinely wanted to please God. Um, so when I was in church and I went to, when I went to confirmation classes, uh, I took it seriously and tried to do it well. Uh, but however, to me, pleasing God meant doing all the right things, particularly regarding traditions and memorizing various things and conducting rituals properly. Uh, maybe some of you are Catholic here. You know there's a lot of kneeling and sitting down and standing up at the right times. To me, um, if I knew that well, that meant I was doing it well and that I was accepted by God. Fortunately, he really he guarded my heart from shame. I, 
I never really was like, oh man, I suck at this. I must be a bad person. I was just like, oh, this is hard, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, in that context, I, unfortunately, I feel like the gospel was never really preached to me. Uh, and if it was, it was very veiled and hidden from my sight. Uh, and by that, I mean the simplicity of the gospel wasn't present. Uh, and by the gospel, I mean, and this is interesting, I feel like we say, well, let's go preach the gospel, and just recently God's been like, do you even know what the gospel is? Can you define it in a couple words? And this is something that I came up with, or I hope the Holy Spirit came up with. Uh, the God, by the gospel, I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh, whose death on the cross was the atoning sacrifice for my sins. He was raised from the dead on the third day, uh, the first fruits of the resurrection of the saints on the last day, when he returns to take over. So the gospel in this context, in its simplicity, I never really heard of that, I don't think. Um, so getting to God was complicated and practically impossible for me. Uh, unlike 2 Corinthians 11.13, Paul terms the gospel as the simplicity that's in Christ. Likewise, in Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. And that's good news that it's simple, because God's big, God's huge, he's, he's complicated, but he presents a way for us to get to him in a very simple way. That's good. That's good. Um, wow. And by his grace, eventually I came to know the simplicity of the gospel. So if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know the gospel and its simplicity, who doesn't know Jesus, uh, I'd invite you to experience the simplicity of his love tonight. Um, so that was probably up until about age 13. When I was 13, uh, I went a few times to an evangelical youth group that my neighbor invited me to. I really hated going, but um, God definitely planted seeds in that time. And it was that time for the first time that I heard this kind of language that if you accept Jesus into your heart, you'll go to heaven. And of course I did it because I didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> but it really wasn't a hard action, but I know God can move through very small acts of faith, so I don't really know what that meant for me. Uh, from what I can tell, it mostly added to confusion, and I just really had no idea what it meant to accept Jesus in my heart, but I did it. Um, and this happened, I was kind of in this state of not really knowing who Jesus, not knowing the grace, his grace until about age 16. And I more or less believed in God, uh, and I vaguely related, him, related to him through uh, ritual rituals and kind of standard Western Christianity. Um, and this is interesting. Before I really came to encounter God, this is just a, a great demonstration of His grace. Before Jesus encountered me, about like two weeks beforehand, I distinctly remember having a conversation with a friend regarding how to get to heaven, how to be saved, and finally conceding that there's probably multiple paths to heaven. And of course, we know that's a demonic doctrine. Um, that's not that's not that's not Jesus. Uh, as we know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and He's the only way uh, to heaven. And it's just God's grace that, because up to that point, I was pretty much like, all right, well, however I'm relating to God through this kind of Christian set of values, that's how you get to heaven. And then all of a sudden, I was like, ah, no, that's that's way too narrow or whatever. Um, and by His grace, uh, He plucked me from the flames a few weeks later. Um, a good friend of mine invited me to a church event. And this friend, he's a really good friend of mine, he still is, but he was the guy that everyone kind of knew as a crazy Christian. 
Um, not just like a normal evangelical, but really the crazy kind. Who, like most of you here. Exactly. <laughs> like most of you here. And I was 16 years old. He invited me to a church event on a Friday night, and I had no desire to go at all. Uh, it was far away from home, and as it turns out, it was actually in a tent. It was like an old-school tent revival meeting. <laughs> and I agreed to go primarily out of guilt, which just goes to show that God uses our bad motives for his good. And as it turns out, uh, the mother of this friend, friend had been interceding for me and some of, some of my other friends for a long time. And she urged my friend to invite me, and he didn't want to invite me either. <laughs> but she urged him, and he did. Um, and I get to this meeting, and it's just by God's grace that I'm not offended by this kind of standard charismatic activities. Because before this point, up until this point, this is also by grace, I've been 100% shielded from any knowledge of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, good or, or well, there's no such thing as a bad manifestation, but there's such thing as a bad, fake manifestation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> So I had no idea. I had no grid for speaking in tongues or prophesying. I didn't even know God could speak. Um, so I get there, and there's people singing loudly and dancing and using flags. Um, and I really am not offended. I actually enter into worship. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. Uh, I mean, I start singing some songs, and I was having fun. Um, and another, another just point of God's grace, the message actually spoke straight to my heart once the preaching started. And I'd never heard a kind of evangelical standard message uh, in my entire life. And this was from uh, the book of Judges where it talks about Gideon tearing down the altars of his fathers. And it's just a miraculous that I even had any sort of concept of, of understanding that. It's just totally God's grace. And I, in my life, I likened it to stepping away from some of the ritualistic ways I related to God that I, that I got from my parents. And I'm thankful for any sort of foundation that they laid. But I knew it was God calling me away from that to tear down the altars of my father and uh, step into the newness that he had for me. And it was the first time in my life that I was hearing ideas, like I said, hearing God's voice, God being active in our lives. This was a totally new concept to me. I thought he was just far off, mostly mad, mostly, you know, that God that doesn't exist. <laughs> and an idea of a living God that we can hear from and he does miracles and, and, and moves in our lives was completely foreign to me. But I was hearing these and my spirit was just stirring. And then I was hearing this message of, tear down your father's elders, move away from this. Um, and this was some guy from Kansas City, and he was talking about the healing rooms there. This was back when I was 16, whatever that was. Um, and I was just blasted by the idea that, oh my gosh, I can hear, people can hear God's voice. And I didn't really think it was possible for me to, but I was like, those guys up there, they can hear God's voice. It's crazy. And God heals people. This is amazing. And it was just really just blowing my world apart. And then as it, praise God, he confirmed the things that were going on in my heart with power. Wow. Because after the message was done, um, ministry time began. And keep in mind, I had, I had no grid for, for ministry. I had no grid for the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, I see people going out, laying hands on people, and I'm just like, well, whatever. Um, and then I see this lady lying on the ground next to me. And I asked my friend, I'm like, should I call an ambulance? <laughs> I thought she'd fallen ill. Uh, I didn't know what was going on. And he said no. And then by that point, I was like, well, what, what is going on? This lady's lying on the ground. We're not doing anything about it. Am I going to die? Uh, 
And then out of nowhere, this, this lady who, who would become my pastor uh, came out of the crowd and laid her hands on me. And generally, I think it's a good practice to ask someone before you pray for them. But in this context, it was absolutely the grace of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit because she laid her hands on me and the power of God just crushed me. Um, some people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was slain in the Spirit. I fell over. Um, and it just filled. And there's really, words can't describe it, but I was filled with the overwhelming power and fire of God. And I didn't ask for it. It was complete grace. I was open to it. We had to be open to it. But it just came out of nowhere. In my life, it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm a normal person. Don't even, I don't even believe that God can speak to me. And all of a sudden, I'm blasted full of the Holy Spirit. And my entire worldview, my, the paradigm through which I saw my life, was just changed, altered completely. And from that night on, I was a different person. Come on. The Holy Spirit transformed me. And the, what I remember thinking really is that all these things I'm hearing this night are confirmed now. Because, I mean, I tangibly felt the fire of God in a way that I couldn't control. I couldn't contain it. I couldn't control my own body. Uh, it was just Him filling me up. Which leads to a different, an interesting point, because I didn't really know I was saved then, but I don't, personally, I don't really think you can be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you accept Jesus as your Savior. So, anyhow. Whatever. He knows what's going on, so He filled me up. I went back the next night, because the, the feeling was just... And Christianity is not about feelings, but feelings are from God, and they can be very good. The feeling of being filled with the Holy Spirit was so riveting to me, so captivating to my heart, and just so fun that I went back the next night and got filled up again. <laughs> and it was just a good time. And as Paul prayed tonight, this isn't just some, some feeling that we do just for the fun of it, though it is really fun. The Holy Spirit is very fun. Uh, in Acts 1.8... Jesus said that we'll be uh, given power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we need power. Right. The Christian life requires power. On, and it's God. presumptuous to think that we can live out a life like Jesus without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. The Holy Spirit equals grace. Grace to live a lifestyle like Jesus. Grace to embrace the cross. Grace to lay down our lives for those around us. So it's not like it was just some trite event is the Holy Spirit filling me up to be Jesus on this earth. And we see that it didn't work out so well for them in the Old Testament. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, and they couldn't, they couldn't complete the law. They couldn't do it. They couldn't, they couldn't live according to the law. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not be drunk with wine. And I believe uh, the Greek tense there means to continually be filled. So even after this time of being filled, really filled with the Holy Spirit, he calls us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day, getting in his presence, filling us up. And at that time, because I had no grade for what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God used someone just to fill me up. And he still does it now, and he'll still do that to me now. But I think the primary responsibility now lies upon the believers, after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, to, to go to the Father himself and say, fill me up. Um, so from that point, like I said, my life has seriously been changed. Uh, just been going from glory to glory. My family thought I was crazy. Um, and that's good. <laughs> but praise Jesus that my parents were, let, were willing to let me be crazy. And they're coming closer and closer to knowing him now. Um, because of the grace that's evident in, in my life. Um, 
The following year, I attended a, an internship at the International House of Prayer for teenagers, just a couple-week thing in the summer. And during that time, I first encountered, this is about a year later after I got saved, I first encountered the love of Jesus as the bridegroom for the first time. Woo! And you know that's kind of central to the message there, and I think that should be central to our lives. Encountering Jesus as the magnificent lover who doesn't hold anything back. And that was another very foundational time. And also by grace and just God's providence, uh, my two best friends entered into this at the same time. So the three of us grew up as Christians in a small church, pressing, pressing into Jesus where the, where the head pastor was our youth pastor. We, we'd meet on Wednesday nights and just go into the Word and go into praying for each other, ministry. You know, school nights, we'd stay there until 2 in the morning, just, just getting blasted and just transforming our minds by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Um, currently... That pretty much brings me to now. I went to Bethel after that. <laughs> By the way, I hear God's doing some crazy things at Bethel. Anyone, any Bethel people? Yes. We oh, yes. Right. yes, Lord. I pray that you just pour out more there, God. Yes, Amen. Come on. Revival's been prophesied at Bethel for decades. And people have been laying foundations of prayer and intercession just to press in there for a long time. So you who are there now, just walk in that grace. Anyway, currently, I just wanted to step into a little bit of what Jesus has been doing in my heart uh, in the last few months. Jesus, as he is with all of us, has been leading me to embracing a lifestyle of the cross. And this should be a lifelong embrace. He's been highlighting this in me in the last few months, like I said, but it's really a lifelong goal to carry our crosses like Jesus did. For several months, I was camped out in Psalm 119. I remember specifically praying uh, verse 20. It says, My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. And what I was asking for was that God would, would really judge my life and say, This is good. This is bad. This is of me. This is of you. I'm going to take these things away. And I was asking for that because I know, and this is true of all of us, there's plenty of junk left in us. The Holy Spirit's taking us from glory to glory, but he was just in a, taking me into a time of pruning, and I'm still in this season now, and, and it's great because when you see something get taken away, you see him fill something else of himself in that area. That's good. Um, so I was asking for his judgments. I'm still asking for his judgments. And I like the language. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. That's good. We need his judgments in our lives. Um, not surprising, after I'm asking Jesus to, to show me what's not of, of him and to show, uh, show me what I need to get rid of, he answered my prayer. He likes answering that prayer because he wants us to be wholly set apart for him. Um, and I've really been confronted with the just idolatrous and adulterous nature of my heart. My heart is given to so many other things than Jesus so much of the time, and he is just wanting to tear those things apart. When he shows us darkness in our hearts, he doesn't force us to change. He offers grace, but the choice is ours to enter into the death of that thing that he's calling us to kill. He offers grace to change, and if we don't choose it, oftentimes our hearts get hardened. If we harden our hearts and decide to hold on to that thing he's calling us to release, and hear me out, we're just going to lose that thing someday anyway, because everything that's going to be shaken, can be shaken, will be shaken. So if you're holding on to anything, money, a relationship, a job, whatever he's calling you to give up, if you hold on to it and harden your heart, 
he's going to strip it from you someday anyway, so you might as well just get rid of it now and walk in more fullness, walk in the fullness that God's calling you to. He calls us to a lifestyle of wholehearted abandonment to him and counting all things lost for his sake and for the sake of knowing him. Philippians 3 is a powerful example of this. We hear Paul just laying it out there. But what things were gained to me, these have these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ and Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. There's nothing that's not worth giving up to gain Jesus. There's nothing the world can offer. There's nothing society tells you is important or worthwhile that isn't worth nailing to the cross to experience the love of Jesus, to experience his grace, to experience his power in your life. Jesus calls us to live lifestyles on the cross. Jesus says that whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. And the cool thing is that Mark 10, 29, um, I'm just going to go there quick. He basically says that anything we give up, we're going to get in the age to come. We're also going to get it in this life. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Here's the interesting part. It says, a hundredfold now this time, house and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. <laughs> Watch out for that. <laughs> and in the age to come, eternal life. Anything we give up now for Jesus, he's going to bless us in this age with something better. Come on. And more importantly, in the age to come. That's right. Our hope is supposed to be in the age to come. We're not supposed to give up something now and be like, all right, God, give me something better. We're supposed to gladly give it up and say, this thing is rubbish. Yeah. I hate this thing compared Praise to knowing God. you. Come on. Because my hope is set on eternity. My hope is set on you coming back, taking over. I'm going to get a resurrected body and be with you forever. Come on. So the Christian life has no room for idol. That's what he's been showing me. Especially in light of what's probably coming our way in this nation, in the world. As, persecu as persecutions increase, there's really less and less room for idols because the more your heart isn't given to Jesus, the more likely you're to stumble, the more likely you're just going to fall away from the cross. So what do I do, what do, I do to kind of check myself out in, in this area? Obviously, I ask the Holy Spirit, like I did here, like, Lord, show me, give me your judgments. One thing that I just find that's practical is I kind of just do a self-audit of my thought life. What am I thinking about when I go to bed? What am I thinking about when I wake up? Where are my time? Where's my time going? Where are my affections? Where am I spending my money? Where are my hopes? Where are my dreams? Where are my desires? Are they in the kingdom or are they in the world? And there's plenty of things I hear lots of language, even for myself, um, that well, God wants me to have fun, right? And, and, because we're kind of a lot of people are kind of coming out of this religious thing where where God's mean and 
and you're experiencing his freedom, and I'm experiencing his freedom. That's true. He doesn't want us to have fun, but I've used that as an excuse just to go have fun and not to press into him. So I do a self-audit. I see where my thoughts are. So I ask you, where's your hope? Is it in the economy? Is it in the economy getting better? Is it in the job you have? Yeah, that is kind of funny. Um, is it in a relationship he has you in, or he doesn't have you in? Um, is it in your own abilities? Where are your affections? Are they going to someone else? Your pet? Um, whatever. And where's our love going? And I think that in the West, we have such a proclivity towards distraction that it's very dangerous, because there's just simply so much to do. We work more than most people. We play a lot. There's lots of TV. There's lots of advertisements. I feel like we have to be especially guarded against distraction. In Papua New Guinea, it's just, it's just not as easy to be distracted, because who wants to go farm all day? Um, Andy might want to. <laughs> so I feel like we need to be especially guarded against idolatry in our hearts because there's so much out there. And if you're going to err on any side, err on the side of cutting things out. And then if by hearing the Holy Spirit, you'll be like, all right, you can actually go uh, bowling tonight or whatever, you know? <laughs> He wants us to have fun. He's a, he's a living God. He wants us to be joyful. But our joy is supposed to come from knowing Him. Not from the things we're doing. So, I think that my view of wholehearted abandonment to Jesus is honestly very shallow and riddled with room for idolatry. He's calling us to set a higher standard for what it means to be devoted to Jesus. To what it means to live a lifestyle that embraces the cross. Um, so that's my prayer, that he would give us a higher vision for what it means to be devoted to him. What it means to give our hearts completely to him. And we're not there yet, we'll never be there, but I think by him giving us a picture of what that might look like, he'll give us grace to walk into more fullness of abandonment to him. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come with conviction Lord, show us the darkness in our hearts. Jesus, we want you. We want you alone. We want your ways. We want to value what you value, God. We don't want to value what society tells us to value. Lord, we just say no to anything that's not of you right now, God. I pray for grace to let go. I pray for grace never in this room to let go of things that aren't of you. Yes, God. Because we know that walking into the fullness that you have for us is much better. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, Lord, we know it's better, God. You fulfill every dream we have. You're ultimately satisfying. And Lord, I just pray you just fill us, God, with rapturous encounter with you. And Lord, we know we need you. We need Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just pray for Holy Spirit just to fall on us tonight, to fill us up. It's nothing we earn, Lord. But we know you want to give it to us, God, so we can walk in lifestyles of power, Lord, and manifestation of your grace. So Holy Spirit, we call on you now. We need you. Come fill us up.
waiting on the Holy Spirit now. I just encourage everyone to, to examine their hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit to highlight anything mm-hmm. up that's not of Him. Mm-hmm. Anything He's releasing us or calling us to release. God often calls us to release the good things so we can have better things. Mm-hmm. So maybe something in your life that's not inherently a uh, scandalous sin that He's calling you to release. Out, so that we can agree with, uh, we want to be harsh with false idols tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes. We want to see them ripped away. Mm-hmm. And so if, if the Lord shows you something where you have some idols, it would be good just to say it mm-hmm. and brutal with that. Mm-hmm. There's no shame. Mm-hmm. No shame. Mm-hmm. So I just come against the idol of mammon, money. Lord, we just say that we abhor mammon, Lord. Lord, we flee from idolatry of worshiping money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Purity and finances, but want to find it in others who are saying, I want to be released. False dependence on money. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Our acceptance, Jesus. 